Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, do you always use all or nothing or black and white thinking, or do you never do that? See what I did there? That and more coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch. Hey, everybody, I'll make this one quick. Now, as a therapist myself, of course, I recommend that everybody give therapy a try. Truly, we're all hanging on to some things that would be helpful to process, or there's things in our life that we might, uh, maybe we thought we'd achieve by now, or there's things that we desperately want to achieve so that we won't live a life full of regrets. Or there are people listening right now who may be noticing that their anxiety or their depression is getting a tiny bit more, let's call it amplified, the longer that it's left untreated. You owe it to yourself or those around you, to your spouse, your kids, and actually, I guess, really the most important person is you to at the very least give therapy a try. So if you're nervous about finding the right fit, if you're worried about bumping into somebody in a therapy waiting room, if you have any worries about therapy, might I recommend that you go immediately to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash virtual couch, all one word, and take a look at the world of online therapy. Go check out what over 500,000 people have already done before you and uh, sign up right now. Go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. You'll get the help that you need. You'll get 10% off your first month services. They have a broad range of expertise and their counselor network, which might not be locally available in many areas. The service is available wherever you live. It's worldwide and you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. You can get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you don't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Although I maintain that my waiting room is very nice and comfortable. Betterhelp.com will assess your needs, match you with your own licensed professional therapist and they have therapists that that specialize in everything all kinds of things ocd anxiety depression they use modalities such as acceptance and commitment therapy my favorite and you can start communicating typically in under 24 hours they're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed nothing awkward about that whatsoever so uh, if you do go through betterhelp.com slash virtual couch, again, you'll receive 10% off your first month services. So what are you waiting for? You owe it to yourself. And at the very least, just go check it out. Go ahead, pause the podcast right now. Go do it. I'm not going anywhere. Um, now let's get to the show. Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, and ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anybody that you know is struggling to put pornography behind you once and for all, and it can be done in a strength-based, hold the shame, be the person you've always wanted to be way, then head over to pathbackrecovery.com and there you'll find a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And a part that I skipped in that beginning because I'm trying to do this live, if you head over to YouTube, you can then see a video of today's podcast. Maybe if, it, if all goes well, um, I, uh, I skipped the part where also co-author of the best-selling book, He's a Porn Addict, Now What? An Expert and a Former Addict to Answer Your Questions, in which I play the role of the expert. And we've been very fortunate, co-author and I, Josh Shea, um, I think we just hit week seven or eight um, on the bestseller list of sexual health and recovery on Amazon. And please go check that out if you, uh, if you have struggled with it, any type of uh, pornography addiction, compulsive sexual behavior, if you are the wife. 
um, and maybe have been through some betrayal trauma. We, we address all of those things in this book. And it's also available on Kindle because I know that it might not be the thing that you want on your coffee table. Matter of fact, I can do a visual right here. Here's the hard copy, which has been a lot of fun. Um, apparently, libraries enjoy hard copies. So the more libraries that are coming on board, our wonderful publisher has hard copies of the book. So I highly recommend that you, uh, you go buy that book. And I wanted to take a minute and read another review that came in this week. These are a lot of fun to read. And again, I appreciate you taking the time to rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. And if you do and you want a, a, a virtual couch magnet, I should have had that if I'm doing all the YouTube stuff here, a virtual couch magnet, virtual couch sticker, then just uh, shoot me a note at contact at tonyoverbay.com, maybe screen capture or copy and paste the review wherever you've left the review, and I'll make sure and get one of those out to you as well. Just ordered some more. And here is the review, Real Findings to Apply to Today. Uh, I first heard Tony on my other favorite podcast, 3 and 30. It was one of the most treasured episodes called How to Praise Your Child When You Can't Find Anything to Praise. She said, I had that child and I knew it wasn't her. It was me, but I don't know how to see her with new eyes. Tony goes more into depth on episode 167 about the nurtured heart approach. I've also had questions as a mother. How do I help my kids develop a healthy self-esteem? This seems to be the answer. This is one of the many only this is only one of the many nuggets of truth I've gathered from Tony's podcast. Thank you, Tony. So thank you so much for leaving those reviews. They mean a lot. And hopefully when you hear those, maybe uh, you're if you're struggling with uh, parenting, um, you might want to head over to episode 167 talking about the nurtured heart approach, or you might even um, head over to Rachel Nielsen's podcast. It is three and thirty pot takeaways for moms, and you don't even have to be a mom to listen. As a matter of fact, I've been on there a couple of a uh, couple of times. And uh, also make sure and head over to Virtual Couch on Instagram. It's at Virtual Couch, or you can also go to Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist page on Facebook. And uh, but if you go over to TonyOverbay.com and sign up to be on the mailing list, which I very sporadically mail to. Um, there, I, I say this often, but there really are some really fun, exciting things that I can't wait to tell you more about that are just going on behind the scenes right now. So you'll find out first if you go to TonyOverbay.com and sign up to receive um, emails. So I want to, oh, and one more quick thing. This week, yesterday, um, on Sunday, new episode on the Leading Saints podcast uh, for any of my, my LDS listeners. When I was in Salt Lake City a couple of weeks ago to speak at a couple of different events, a podcast festival, and I added a fireside there. But I met up with my good buddy, Kurt Frankham, who's the executive director of Leading Saints. And he had me come on and talk about the title of this episode that launched yesterday is Unhealthy Ways We Seek Validation as Leaders, um, an interview with Tony Overbay. And I really enjoyed meeting with Kurt. He's very genuine. I feel like he brings out the best in me as an interviewer or anybody that he interviews. And we talked a lot about the concept of codependency. We talked about your, you know, working off of your own value-based goals and how um, codependency from the context of when you, when you kind of base your worth off of the reactions of someone else. And that can be especially challenging at times in religious culture. We talked about it from the aspect of the leader, um, talking about the nice guy syndrome. And then I also made sure I wanted to weave in there that what, what that experience is like for the individual. Because if you've listened to anything that I've done over especially the last few months, I am a huge acceptance and commitment therapy fan. The book A Liberated Mind by Dr. Stephen Hayes addresses that concept of if you are not 
living by your values. And again, these values are between you and the person in the mirror. If you're not, we call them, you're, you're going after these socially compliant goals. And, uh, and he shows that there, he notes that the motivation behind going after socially compliant goals, socially compliant goals are things that you do because you think you're supposed to, or you think that you will let someone else down. Someone will be disappointed in yourself, in you, or it's something you feel like you, you're just, you're supposed to do, you should do. And again, I'm never a big fan of shooting on anyway, even if it's yourself, shooting on yourself. So if you are engaged in any of those type of activities, those are called socially compliant goals. And Dr. Hayes says the motivation behind them is weak and ineffective because you secretly resent those goals because they go against your process of unfolding. It's, it's, uh, it's really an incredible concept there. So Kurt and I take on a lot of those issues and more on the Leading Saints podcast. So I would highly recommend that you go check that out. So let's get to today's topic. Today, I'm tackling something that I I haven't really talked about on a podcast specifically, a specific podcast about black or white or all or nothing thinking. And uh, and I, I I honestly didn't realize this is one of those where you, you do a quick research, um, do a little bit of uh, search out the the data, and there's so much here that just mimics what I see in my practice on a day-to-day basis, especially with this concept of black and white thinking. So I always like to, to build a podcast off of an article that has some good data here, and the one that I am working off of today, and I love when my wife, my wife actually will send me stuff that she sees often, and this is one of those that she sent me a few days ago. It is from a woman named Rebecca Joy Stanborough at Healthline, and the article is entitled, How Black and White Thinking Hurts You and What You Can Do to Change It. And the, the headline below is, it keeps you from seeing the world as it often is, complicated and nuanced. And I love that that is the, uh, what the subheading, um, because the world is complicated and it is nuanced. And, and again, going back to ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, Often the black and white thinking are just these stories that my brain is trying to fuse me to or to hook me to because if we buy into this all or nothing thinking that this is the way it has always been, this is it, it will never be different, then we don't even have to try to work on any other new kind of paradigm or new solution. So I'll talk about that more as we get into this article. Um, uh, so I'll read a little bit here from uh, Rebecca Joy Stanborough. And uh, when I, when I kind of go back to quoting the article, this is the article that I will be talking about. So she said that black and white thinking is the tendency to think in extremes. Um, I am a brilliant success or I am an utter failure. My boyfriend is an angel or he's the devil incarnate. And, and I see this often. And even, and I want you to know, this is one of those things that incredibly intelligent people, people that think that they know better will slip into the, this all or nothing thinking in, in the office. And it surprises me at times when, when even if I say, okay, so, you know, do you truly feel that he has never been there for you? And you can see that when someone kind of gets caught up in that whole fight or flight mode or when, when they really feel like they're, they're trapped or when they really feel like they're backed into a corner or that their partner doesn't hear them, you will see the most rational people in the entire world go to this, no, he's never been there for me. And what do you think that does in a couple's relationship? In a couple's relationship, the partner then immediately doesn't say, hey, tell me more about that. You know, why do you feel that way? They go, really? I've never done that? You know, and then they start thinking of these times where that they have been there for the person. And, and it, gosh, as a marriage therapist, that's when you see how quickly things can devolve. And especially if there's been a longstanding pattern of when we go to these all or nothing or black or white thinking. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a marital relationship. Think of this when you're talking with your teens or think of this if you're talking to somebody in a work situation. As soon as you say, man, you're, you're never on time. The person doesn't, you know, the person you say that to doesn't sit there and go, 
oh my gosh, have I never been on time? No, they're like, oh, I've been on time plenty. You know, and so then immediately, then they're going to throw back the, what do you think, that you're always perfect in getting here on time? And, and things just go south quickly. And this is, again, why empathy is so important. This is why I love the model of emotionally focused therapy, EFT, which if somebody says, you're never on time, instead of seeing that as an attack, instead of saying, man, okay, if you feel like I'm never on time, that's got to hurt. Or I can understand why that would be annoying. Um, and, and even just saying that can, can kind of uh, um, put the person that put that out there at ease and then allow you to say, you know, I, I feel like I actually have been working on it a little bit. And as an example, last weekend, you know, I actually got up early and I got the kids ready. And, and so I felt like that day we did leave on time. You know, right? A lot of I feel statements, not a, oh, yeah, you didn't notice last weekend when I got the kids ready and then I was on time. So, so again, you can see how quickly these things devolve. So in a, in a perfect world or in a best case scenario, if you can work on this black or white or all or, not, or not, all or nothing thinking, you can see that you are going to not necessarily back people into a corner. And I know that a lot of the black or white thinking comes from not being heard. And, and I'm going to get to that. I get to a lot of that, as a matter of fact. Uh, so she goes on to say this, this thought pattern, this all or nothing or black or white thinking, which the American Psychological Association all, also calls dichotomous or polarized thinking. So um, if you've heard any of those terms as well, we're kind of talking all about the same thing. So dichotomous or polarized thinking is considered a cognitive distortion because it keeps us from seeing the world as it is, complex, nuanced, full of shades of in-between. This all-or-nothing mindset doesn't allow us to find the middle ground. And she says, of course, let's face it, there's a reason most people don't live on Everest or in the Mariana Trench. Um, it's hard to sustain life at those two extremes. So the extreme highs or the extreme lows. So life is not that cut and dry, that black and white. It is far more nuanced. Um, she says most of us engage in dichotomous thinking from time to time. In fact, some experts think this pattern may have its origins in human survival, our fight or flight response. And, and I love that. If I kind of go off on a quick tangent there, um, that is, again, as a marriage and family therapist, I believe that a lot of the all or nothing thinking truly comes from when people don't feel heard. It becomes a natural defense because if somebody just says, hey, um, I'd love to be on time today because, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I want to make sure we get a good seat. A lot of times that that doesn't carry enough weight with a partner to get them to then say, OK, I, we got to be on time no matter what. You know, you can count on me. No, what happens is often then if we're not on time, then the person who put that out there feels like they aren't heard. So what is that going to eventually evolve or lead to? It's going to lead into the, hey, can we be on time for once in our life? Like we're never on time. You're always late. See how easy that was to, to get into that pattern? And so obviously that becomes very difficult. When we hear that, uh, when that is being projected at us, again, we don't typically go, oh man, you know, I, I, I can understand why they are so frustrated. No, we go to this natural fight or flight defense. So even when I hear in, in, in my office, I keep looking over at my couch over there, but when I'm in my office and I hear this all or nothing thinking come from people that I, I wouldn't have necessarily expected that to, I know and I will often stop a session and say, I know that this all or nothing thinking comes from a place of not feeling heard. I mean, that, that is really it. And once that becomes the pattern, hey, guess what? You know, your brain decides that it's going to throw it out there anywhere you go. You know, um, I'm, I'm never going to be a success or I, you know, I'll never get this homework finished or I always fail at these things. Or so we just start to use this as is almost like just the, the way that we speak. And uh, and so being aware of this is is so important to be able to kind of stop this negative thought pattern or negative thought process. Rebecca goes on to say um, kind of where I was going there next. Thinking in black and white can become a habit. And what happens when it becomes a habit? It can hurt your physical and mental health. 
um, again, because it causes a lot of cortisol, a lot of stress. It will, it will, key, it will trigger your fight or flight. Uh, it can sabotage your career. It can cause disruptions in your relationships. Man, can it cause disruptions in your relationships? It truly can. What we're going to talk about next is how to recognize these polarized thoughts or recognize this black or white thinking, what um, it can be telling you about what you're struggling with, your challenges, or maybe what it can tell you about your health and what you can do to hopefully develop a more balanced outlook. So what can it sound like? There are words more than just always and never. Impossible, disaster, furious, ruined, perfect. All of these are words that are becoming more um, aligned with this extreme thinking, this polarized thinking. So, and, and of course, the words aren't bad in themselves. Uh, I love this concept. It's called relational frame theory. Um, I've talked a, lot, a little bit about it with ACT. Uh, one version of relational frame theory is that we can look at two things in, in our frame of reference and we make comparisons, not something that most animals do. Actually, any other animals do. Most of the time, if we look at something, it is, it is a threat. It is food, it is shelter, you know, it is reproduction, whatever that is. We will look at two things and say, um, I was doing this in my office a few, a few weeks ago. There's a garbage can, there's a, a closet, you know, which one is, uh, I don't know, which one do you like better? And it was interesting to hear people relate those in that frame completely different. You know, one, one would say that the cabinet's better because it's bigger. One would say the garbage can because um, you can take it out every day. So we all try to relate these things. We also have that same relationship with words. So somebody can say, um, always or never. And it can be a trigger for one. Oh, you never hear me. And for somebody else, it can be a motivational word growing up. That was my key word that got me to, to work even harder. So just remembering that the words themselves aren't bad, uh, but it's uh, the context that you put them in. And also it kind of relates when I put it that way of how important it is. If somebody feels, this is why tell me more is such an important phrase to have in your toolkit, whether you are um, whether it's your spouse coming to you saying hey, you're always late, it's like, tell me more, you know, cause maybe that always late doesn't even mean what you think it does. Although that one does seem like it's a little bit, a uh, little bit spot on, but, uh, but hopefully you get my point. So, um, these words though, could be a signal that you've adopted more of this black and white perspective on something. So how does it harm your relationships? Um, relationships happen between individuals, whether they see each other as family or friends or neighbors or coworkers or something else entirely. And as she puts it in the article, because we have ups and downs to phrase it dichotomously, um, plus quirks and inconsistencies, conflicts inevitably arrive. Again, this is where I like to put in context of we come into every situation. We come into um, the end of our day. We may have had a rough day at work. We may have had a rough day watching young kids. We have, may have had a day where we didn't do anything and we feel bad because we feel like I just wasted an entire day. So we come into our situations where we are going to communicate with others already with all of our own baggage. And baggage can sound like a dramatic word, but I mean this as these are the things that you bring into every situation. And so you may already be feeling a certain way when you try to communicate with a partner. And, and so you have to remember that that can be a big reason why these conflicts occur, why we immediately go into fight or flight, and then why we have to throw out these all or nothing phrases or these words to try to be heard or because we are feeling hurt um, and we want somebody to really just say, hey, I'm here. Whatever you need to do, whatever you say, I, you know, I, I've got your back. So we're still um, black and white thinking can cause a person to make decisions without thinking about the impact 
that that decision um, has on themselves and the others involved. She gives uh, a few examples here that I really appreciate. Suddenly moving from the good person category to the bad person category. So if this is your partner, the person that you care about, the person you have a lot of good times with, but you come into a situation and then all of a sudden um, they, they kind of aren't there for you. A lot of times we immediately go to this, you're never there for me. You know, and, and all of a sudden we portray this person as the villain or they are the bad guy. Um, so putting that person from in one moment, they're the good person. In the next moment, they're the bad person. And I, I don't know how I even live with this person. Um, examples also about this can be quitting a job or firing people. This is when people can get caught up in a moment. And then they can, if you, you can see where if you immediately go to this all or nothing thinking, this black or white thinking, that you can just, you know, you can be very impulsive in this world. And that's because, again, this basis of not feeling heard. And when we don't feel heard, our brain just continually kind of says, okay, what do I have to do to get heard? You know, I'll throw out the all or nothing thinking. I'll get very angry. I'll get demonstrative. As a matter of fact, I might even quit, you know, or I might even fire that person. So you can see that without kind of really keeping in check this black or white or all or nothing thinking, you can make some pretty irrational or impulsive decisions. Uh, dichotomous thinking, she says, often um, shifts between idealizing and devaluing others. So being in a relationship with someone who thinks in extremes can be difficult because the repeated cycles of emotional upheaval. And again, it's kind of what I just shared there. It, it, you, you can feel like things are going well, but if someone hasn't really shared or opened up to you in a little while, and then all of a sudden they hit you with the, you know, it's been two weeks and you still haven't done this thing that I've asked. You know, I, I've told you that I, I just I just want you to check in on me more during the day. Shoot me a text or something. And all of a sudden, two weeks go by and the person hasn't. Those two weeks have felt okay for the partner that isn't doing the additional checking in, doing the texting to the other person. But then when they are hit with the, you know, you, you never did that. You never checked in on me after I asked you to. People can feel blindsided. And that's why it's so important then to have this, hey, tell me more. Um, you know, tell me what that's like. I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I kind of forgot, you know, and, and I know that might sound harsh that I forgot, but here's where my train of thought was. But as soon as we get into these dichotomous, paradoxical, all or nothing thinking, again, we're in our bunkers, the gloves are off, and now it's tit for tat. We're throwing jabs. We're, you know, basically at that point, we're, we're both playing this. Um, who can make the, the other person feel the most pain so that they'll you know, they'll come and apologize to, to you. So, and you can see how that gets to be so unhealthy in patterns of relationships. So, um, it can keep you from learning the, this dichotomous thinking. She gives a good example that I hear often. This is one that I hear often from teenagers or actually just people, uh, adults that are in the workforce or that want to change something about their employment or, um, where it's the, I'm bad at math theory. Um, most math teachers, she says, hear this proclamation over and over during the school year, but it's the product of a success or failure mindset. Again, look at that, the all or nothing or black or white thinking, which is a natural outgrowth of a grading system um, she shares that defines failure as uh, over half the grading scale. So I've never been a teacher. Um, I've, I've had uh, four kids going through the, the school systems. And, and so I'm not, this isn't a soapbox of mine, but I thought it was uh, interesting the way that she put that in this article. Um, she said some courses even have a simple binary to measure learning, pass or fail, one or the other. So, and, and again, I, not, not my soapbox or I don't have enough data to, to go with on this one, but you can just see that if we're kind of already preaching this all or nothing or pass or fail or, you know, that kind of a mindset, how we, we can't, it can bleed or leak into other areas as well, that I'm either good or I'm bad. It's black or it's white, you know, it's dark or it's light, that sort of thing. Matter of fact, I have a, a, a good friend of mine who I love. He will often talk about the 
kind of the the range of uh, on any given topic, a range of emotions, range of feelings. He often talks about you know this range of from cold to hot. You know, if you're if you're kind of feeling water, that for each and every each individual person, there's going to be a different place where that goes from cold to hot. Uh, based on your, your your tactile experience, your sensory uh, experiences. And so, um, you know, that's one of these examples of where everything isn't quite, um, it's not hot or cold. There's a, there's nuance in the middle there. Um, so it's all too easy to fall into this dichotomous thinking about things like academic accomplishments. So a growth mindset that uh, Rebecca mentions that's becoming increasingly popular encourages students to recognize incremental progress toward mastery. Um, to see themselves as moving closer to being able to do what they've set out to do, and which uh, which I'm not exactly sure what that looks like in the school setting, but I like the idea of that. Of because if I go, if I jump back into my acceptance or commitment therapy mindset, if we are living by a value, let's say it's a value of learning, right? Um, this is where I you know I'm I'm, a, I'm still a goal setting person, but if the goal is pass my classes and I cram like crazy to pass my classes, I pass, and then it's almost like now what do I get? Um, you know, okay, got to turn around and do it all over again. If I have a value of learning, if that's a sense of, you know, being and doing that, uh, then I'm going to, to kind of base my daily activities off of this value. And that would lead me more naturally to do the things that, again, being and doing, um, being a good student, doing my homework, that, that would be this value of learning, which would then get me closer to this goal of mastery of a subject. So even if I don't care about the subject, but my value is learning, then I am going to do all I can to to really scratch that itch around that value. And this is that concept where, you know, I think Stephen Hayes says a life lived by value um, is full of meaning and purpose. And it's one that uh, that is this, it goes on day by day. So you don't just hit some goal all of a sudden and then say, okay, I'm done. Talked about this on the podcast I mentioned earlier with Kurt Frankham. A good example of this is weight loss goals. If somebody just says, my goal is to lose 50 pounds, and then they starve themselves, get to the 50 pounds, then what typically happens, right? They hit that goal, and then they didn't necessarily live by a value there. If the value is, you know, um, being more aware of the things I eat, or um, being more conscious about, uh, yeah, food choices, or moderation, if those are my values, then I'm going to turn to those. And then when I get to the 50 pounds, it might take longer, but it's going to be something that is more meaningful because I have lived by this value, again, this purpose or this sense of being or doing. Um, dichotomous thinking can also, uh, it can limit your career. And, and I like, uh, she talks about, it makes uh, these, and kind of sticks to these rigidly defined categories as my job, their job, my role, their role. And, and if you've been in corporate America or, you know, whenever you think about uh, drama in the workplace, a lot of times it's, it's, you know, well, that's not my job. Well, that's their job, you know, or who are they to ask me to do this? And so it does do a lot of that black or white thinking. Um, in a lot of collaborative work environments where the roles shift, expand, and reform, uh, she goes on to say having rigid limits can keep you in the organization from achieving goals. A 2017 study um, examined the workings of a Dutch film studio, and it found that some ambiguity in people's roles and responsibilities had a positive overall effect on the creative um, project, even though some conflicts arose as people expanded their scope of work. 
Black or white thinking can also limit how you think of your career prospects. During the 2008 financial crisis, many people lost jobs they had held for a long time, and whole sectors slowed or stopped hiring. The crisis forced people to look expansively at their skill sets rather than clinging fiercely to a rigid idea of what they could do. Thinking of your career as fixed and narrowly defined could cause you to miss out on possibilities you might find enriching, literally and figuratively speaking. And I see that often um, in the work that I do, especially I don't want to just throw out the midlife crisis that people may go through, but in a lot of the work that I do, even with things like addiction, I talk about addiction being a void. You know, people turn to addictions oftentimes when they don't feel connected to um, their parenting. Uh, they don't feel connected to their uh, in their marriage, uh, to communication. They don't feel connected to their their health. They may not feel connected to their um, their faith. And then a big one is just not feeling connected to their career. So when you don't feel connection, uh, authenticity, any of those things in these different areas, oftentimes that's where I always say the siren song of addiction is waiting there saying, hey, I got gotcha. you. Here's a quick pick me up. So, um, you know, being able to not be as rigidly fixed on um, this is what I do. This is who I am. As far as a career goes, uh, can be a very powerful thing, not just to hopefully find the career that you maybe don't have to have said, I've always dreamed of, but a career that you find more value out of that, you're, you know, maybe a career that's more in line with your values. And in doing so, that can create more connection, which can bleed over into all areas of your life. Uh, all right, let me go to she says, um, black and white thinking can disrupt healthy eating habits. I thought this was fascinating. Um, several studies have found a connection between eating disorders and dichotomous thinking, which is a very good point. Black and white thinking can cause people to look at certain foods as good or bad, looking at their own bodies as either perfect or revolting, um, and eat in binge, purge, or all-or-nothing cycles. Researchers have also found that dichotomous thinking can lead people to create rigid dietary restraints, which can make it hard to maintain a healthy relationship with food. And here's where we get into some some of the interesting part of uh, this article. Um, she goes on to say, is black and white thinking a symptom of other conditions? So some black and white thinking is normal, but persistent dichotomous thought patterns are associated with a number of conditions. The first one that she brings up is um, one of my favorites, uh, NPD, Narcissistic Personality Disorder. Um, narcissistic Personality Disorder, she notes, is a condition that causes an exaggerated sense of self-importance, a deep need for attention, a profound lack of empathy for others. And black and white thinking is one of the symptoms of this personality disorder. And and I want to tell you now, if you are new and joining the Virtual Couch podcast, um, the reason I said this is one of my favorites is I, I actually have an opportunity to uh, to do a lot of work around narcissistic personality disorder. Um, if you go back and look in the archives, you'll find several podcasts that uh, talk about narcissistic personality disorder. And even here, when it talks about just giving those three symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder, I highly encourage you to go back and look up, um, there's one where I talk about eight subtypes of narcissism. So narcissism isn't just this grandiose, malignant, malicious narcissism, but there are uh, inverted narcissists, vulnerable nar- narcissists, overt and covert narcissists. And uh, and so, um, again, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it's a passionate project of mine because, um, you know, narcissism can be a very, very difficult thing to be in a relationship when someone ex- expresses or experiences these um, narcissistic personality traits in their partner, in their spouse. So uh, she goes on to say, um, a researchers trusted source have found that the tendency toward dichotomous thinking makes it much harder for people with narcissistic personality disorder to get the help they need because they may devalue and discard therapists too quickly. Boy, is that the truth. Another thing that they often do is uh, they devalue and discard um, uh, legal counsel, attorneys, because, you know, they're coming from this place where they do, truly do not see that they are doing anything wrong in a relationship. 
Uh, man, it's hard. I haven't done a narcissism episode in quite a while. It's hard to almost not turn this one into one uh, right now because, if again, if somebody's not familiar with um, what that can look like, uh, it's the term gaslighting. It can be where, you know, even somebody that is going to present this article to their partner and say, hey, I think this is something that we really ought to take a look at, this black or white thinking. I think it could be an issue in our relationship. Um, I, I really want a partner to say, man, you know, uh, tell me more. Let's sit down and discuss this. Where are areas where you think that this is impacting our marriage, our relationship, or our parenting? Not a, are you are you kidding me? You know, are you serious? You really think that I do this? Actually, you're the one that, that thinks in the black or white thinking. This is just, uh, you know, th- those are those things, the warning signs to look out for, for things like narcissistic personality disorder. If you might find yourself in a relationship with someone that you might uh, be worried about is a narcissist. Um, she then goes on to say that the National Institute of Mental Health also um, gives this black or white or all or nothing thinking in the diagnostic criteria of borderline personality disorder or BPD. So uh, they describe BPD as a mental illness that can cause people to experience intense episodes of anger, depression, and anxiety. Matter of fact, I think if you're watching this on YouTube, um, I have it right here. Um, one of the books I keep in, uh, on my shelf often is uh, the book, I Hate You, Don't Leave Me um, by uh, uh, Gerald Kreisman and Hal Strauss and it's understanding the burst, the the um, borderline personality and that is and I mean it's a pretty incredible book and an amazing thing um, purely because narcissistic personality disorder is kind of based on this concept I hate you don't leave me uh, also obsessive compulsive disorder um, some psychologists think that people have OCD thinking all or nothing thinking patterns because uh, that puts it's this ability to put something truly in this firm category uh, might give them a sense of control over their circumstances. So this dichotomous thinking makes it possible for people to maintain a rigid perfectionism, right? And that can make it harder to get help. If a person has a setback, it's easier for them to see that that is a total failure instead of just a, a setback or a momentary hiccup in overall progression. And then people who have anxiety and depression are vulnerable to uh, to think in absolutes as well. A 2018 study that examined the natural speech of people with anxiety and depression found a much more frequent use of absolutist language among them than in control groups. I think I did an episode on this. All or nothing thinking can also cause us to ruminate, which is to, to really worry or think a lot about the past, which can worsen anxiety and depression. And uh, she points to some additional research that has found a connection between black and white thinking and negative perfectionism. Um, so it's in, so black and white thinking is, is typically, um, a best friend with, um, the anxiety and depression. Hey, and we're back. Um, you had no idea what was going on there. I'm, I'm panicking. I'm watching, uh, my storage come full. Let me know that it's full on my computer that I am recording to. So, uh, that was a complete panic and pause and delete things. And here we are. So uh, we're wrapping up, though. We're wrapping up on this all or nothing or black or white thinking episode. So um, what causes black or white thinking? Although personality disorders and mental health conditions are sometimes genetic, there isn't enough research to uh, conclusively say that black and white thinking itself is inherited. And this is, again, going back to the uh, that um, article that I've been referring to. Now I feel like it's been a long time. If you've been listening, it hasn't been. But the How Black and White Thinking Hurts You and What You Can Do to Change It by Rebecca Joy Stanborough at Healthline. So, um, uh, but it is not, here we go, um, back to where I was going. Um, but so the, the nature and nurture, the, the genetic component, of course, there's nothing that can successfully just say that here, here's what it is. It's, it's this gene on this chromosome, you know, and there isn't anything like that. Um, I believe it's a healthy dose of both a little bit of nature, a little bit of nurture as well. So, um, how do you change your black and white? Well, I, actually, before I even do that, there is, uh, 
says it can be linked to childhood or adult trauma. And researchers think that when we experience trauma, we may develop dichotomous thinking patterns as a coping strategy or to try to protect ourselves from future harm. And as I kind of mentioned earlier, I believe it really is, yeah, it does come from people not feeling like they are heard. And I know that can sound very just kind of generic, but the more that we aren't heard, the more we try to come up with different ways to be heard. And a lot of that can either be anger, it can be withdrawal, it can be um, exaggerated thinking, uh, which then leads into this black or white or all or nothing or dichotomous or polarized thinking. So we feel like if we don't say you're never on time, that our partner won't listen at all. But the problem is when we say you're never on time, again, if we've developed these unhealthy communication patterns in our relationships, the person is not going to say, oh my gosh, you're right. They're going to say, oh yeah, you know, you think you're on time. And uh, and then the negative, you can see how things kind of devolve from there. So how do you change your black and white thinking? First of all, by listening to this episode. Thank you very much. Being a very, very aware of this. Um, the first step to any change is awareness. And I love talking about this in sessions where awareness, a lot of times we think that, okay, now that I know it, that'll be easy. Now I'll change it. Well, unfortunately, bless our brain's hearts, our brain has these deeply dug in neuropathways. It's, it's kind of filed a lot of this behavior, even communication patterns into the habit center, the basal ganglia of the brain. So when you get in, locked into one of these communication patterns with somebody, your brain will literally just kind of take over on autopilot and go, oh, okay, I know what we're doing here. Uh, we're lobbing shots at our partner and we're not going to take ownership of anything and we're going to see how that plays out this time. Maybe it'll be different. So, um, you know, the first step is being aware. The hard thing is that oftentimes if you're the one listening to this podcast and your partner maybe isn't, that you're going into battle with uh, you are armed with this knowledge and he and or she may not be. So, and that's a, a normal thing as well. Um, I have a thing I call one man EFT that is another thing that I need to do an episode on because I talk about it a lot in my office. That can be one about going to your partner, even though you're the one that's saying, hey, look, you're never on time, but you know that that doesn't work very well. So if you go in there and, and to your partner and say, hey, tell me what your your concepts are on being on time. You know, what is that? What is that like for you? Does that bring up anxiety? Does it not? Were you uh, were you not on time growing up? Do you not worry about that? Because now you're going to have, you are seeking first to understand. That person's going to be heard. And then, you know, you validate, man, thank you. That makes a lot of sense. I can understand. Thanks for sharing that. For me, I feel like, right? So now we're into the I feel statements, not, and, and already it's a different communication pattern than just hurling the insults back and forth. So um, how do you change it? All right. So you're aware. And, uh, and for these reasons, um, they, she goes on to say it's important to talk to a therapist or a mental health professional if you notice that you're thinking in these extremes or it's affecting your health relationships or your mood. I am a huge fan of that, obviously. Go talk to a therapist. Um, you may want to trust, uh, work with somebody who, that you can trust that's trained in how to kind of take a look at these thought processes or thought patterns. A lot of times when we go to our friends, bless their hearts, they mean well. But a lot of times, there's this whole psychology of what I call the peanut gallery. You know, sometimes you go to a friend and they're just going to want to say, no, you're good. I'd be mad too if he was saying that to me. There's also friends that are going to be the ones that don't even really probably feel as passionate about something they're going to say to you, but they feel like, wow, you're coming to me. And, uh, and so as your friend who you're coming to for advice, I need to be real with you. Yeah, you need to knock it off. And that doesn't feel good to hear either. So that's why a lot of times it is good to go to a therapist who can kind of take a look at this, um, kind of see where it comes from, see how it's affecting your relationships or your health or, or your career. And then, uh, and then help you kind of pivot from, from this kind of thinking. So uh, she says that you also might find it helpful to try some of these. She says, try to separate what you do from who you are. When we equate our performance on a single metric with our overall worth, we're going to become vulnerable to black and white thinking. Boy, that is true. 
Um, you're going through experiences every day of your life. Some are going to work. Some are not going to work. Some are based on your values. Some are not. Some of them are these socially compliant goals I talked about earlier. And if they are, if they are something that you feel like you have to do, but isn't necessarily coming from a value of yours or a passion of yours, um, you might not be fully engaged in it. And guess what? It's okay because you're human. So don't beat yourself up about that. Uh, she says, try listing options. If black and white thinking has you locked into only two outcomes or possibilities, and I like this one, as an exercise, write down as many other options as you can imagine. If you're having trouble getting started, try coming up with three alternatives at first. So if you feel like, okay, if I fail this test, then I will be forever doomed to be in the career that I'm in, um, I know, some sort of licensing exam or, or, or that sort of thing, uh, what are some other options? Okay, if I fail it, then I will... Um, I maybe next time will uh, enlist the help of a tutor or I will take one of these study programs or or maybe I will look at a different kind of certification within my industry. So those are just alternatives. So it isn't just like, well, I blew it. I guess I'm hosed for the rest of my life. I mean, there's some black or white thinking, right? Um, she says, practice reality reminders. When you feel paralyzed by black and white thinking, uh, say or write small factual statements like there are several ways I can solve this problem. I'll make a better decision if I take time and more information. And both of us may be partially right. And I love that one too. One of the things, if, if you're still, if you still hung on with me this long in the podcast, one of the things I love about emotionally focused therapy, this EFT, this couples modality, is we're just trying to, at our base level, share, hey, here's my thoughts. Let's keep going back to this one about time, where you're going to say, hey, here's my thoughts about being on time. And, and you share that growing up, this is what that meant to me. You know, I'd always wanted to be the person who was there early. You know, I feel like when I'm there early, I get myself centered or grounded more. Or I feel like when I get there early, um, I have more of a chance to interact with uh, whoever is there with me, you know, those sort of things. And, and it, it's perfect when you can kind of get that out and say, here's where I'm at. Here's how I feel. Where if you feel heard, your partner kind of asks questions, has a little more curiosity. Now maybe they might come from a place of, man, okay, that makes sense. Thank you. Here's what that's like for me. And I think about this often. I had somebody bring this up a couple of weeks ago, but I used to travel with a, a dear friend who has since passed away. Um, uh, I used to call him Parable Bob, uh, Rob Maxey, and we would travel internationally. This was before I changed careers to be a therapist. And uh, I had a territory of the world for this software co- company I was with. And so I went everywhere. Um, I mean, all over the world, many times. And my traveling partner at times was this guy, Rob Maxey. And I would get to an airport an hour early, like an hour earlier than even the hour that I probably needed to be there because I really like to just get there. And I, these were the days of magazines and newspapers, uh, kids, so you can Google those. But I loved getting those things and just kind of, I don't know, just getting grounded, feeling peaceful. I, I didn't like the stress or anxiety if I was running late. Uh, Parable Bob would show up as we were in the boarding line over and over and over again, causing me stress. But I, you know, this is well before I became more mindful using mindfulness skills, which sure would have helped at the time. But he told me often that he said, you know, he had traveled plenty uh, before um, he was a little older than I was. And he had traveled plenty. And in his travels, he said, I, I miss a couple of flights every now and again. And he said, but. And, and he had a very busy um, other thing going on in his life. Uh, he was a, this youth pastor that just uh, just shepherded so many so many kids, changed so many lives there. But so he would um, just get the most out of every bit of his life that he could to then show up just in time to get on the plane. So you know that was his experience. And every now and again he would be late. So I look back on that now, and what a you know what a great experience of his truths, my truth. The reason I frame that in a in EFT, an emotionally focused therapy lens, is because 
as as partners in our relationships, um, we're really not trying to break down the other person's reality. We really both want to just feel heard, which again is going to lead to a lack of this all or nothing or black or white thinking. And we're not even trying to necessarily work toward compromise right out of the gate because, you know, it, when I hear maybe that or my partner hears that, man, if I don't show up a few minutes early, then I feel like that entire meeting or that entire experience is off. And if I just want five minutes more of sleep, if that's my truth, then I feel like by hearing my partner and, and caring about my partner, that that's going to be one where, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm a little more willing to get up and, and try to be on the move a little earlier because I care enough about my partner. And in doing so, over time, your partner's going to say, no, 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 I, I appreciate you doing that. You know, you get that extra sleep. And I always say to my couples that I'm working with, you eventually are working toward this place where the arguments are about, you know, no, I want to do what you want. No, 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 I want to do what you want. You know, not the, I can't believe you just said that, or I can't believe you go to these extremes. Uh, she also said, find out what other people think. Black and white thinking can keep you from seeing things from someone else's perspective. When you're in conflict with someone, calmly ask clarifying questions so you can come to a clear understanding of their viewpoint. Hey, that's what I just talked about. Um, so, uh, so I really like uh, her point there. She says the bottom line, black and white thinking is a tendency to think in extremes. And while it's normal from time to time, developing a pattern of dichotomous thinking can interfere with your health, your relationships, and your career. It's associated with anxiety, depression, a number of personality disorders. So if you find yourself hampered by thinking in black and white terms, it's important to talk to a therapist. Amen to that. I totally agree with that. Uh, because a therapist can help you learn some strategies to gradually change this thought pattern and live a healthier and more fulfilling life. Uh, I mean, and, and so really do go find a therapist in your area if you can. Um, if you if money's an issue, Google low-cost therapy in your area. You can always, uh, and this wasn't meant to be a plug, but you can go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch, and you can get 10% off a month of uh, the online therapy, and that's continuing to grow. I get uh, emails often about what a difference that has made in people's lives, but uh, but you owe it to yourself to, to kind of take a look at this and know that you're okay. The black and white thinking comes from you pro- probably not being heard a lot, whether it's been as a kid in your teenage years, in your relationships, your marriage, and ultimately we all want to be heard. To be heard is to be healed. I think that is a quote from someone and I need to find that because I, it, it's beautiful. It's brilliant. Okay. Um, I deleted a bunch of things to be able to get the disk space to finish this episode. So I better wrap this thing up before I get that uh, message again. But thanks for joining me today on the virtual couch. I would love it. If you have questions, if you have ideas for future episodes, send me an email at contact at tonyoverbay.com. You can go find this on uh, YouTube on the virtual couch channel there as well. And uh, so until next time, um, thanks for joining me on the virtual couch. Emotions flying past Our heads and out the other end The pressures of the daily grind is wonderful Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside the things that matter most It's wonderful I have to wonder Which ghost is mine Take or lose, it's wonderful 
Shut up, it's fine. 